<laughs> Literally getting a new phone number tonight. You guys are terrible people. So we learned in our Mishnah, I should say a little bit more nicely. I'm just annoyed now, but we're going to be nice. Good evening. Good evening. Today we are learning Masechah's Nazir Daf Samachtala, starting four lines from the bottom at the two dots. We're discussing Tumasa to home. And we learned yesterday that Tumasa to home is a halacha lemoshim Sinai. And in approximation, what it means is that when one um, has been exposed to Tuma, but it was a type of Tuma that was completely unanticipated, then even if we find out later that they're Tame, we don't. We don't treat them as, as Tame. It's just not the way it works. There's like a level of lack of knowledge that matters. This goes to one of the fundamental aspects of Hilchos Tuma, which is that it is not all rational up here in the cognitive space, because really, if we did that, then everyone would be Tame Mace. At least most likely everyone would be Tame Mace. Kohanim all over the world, but we don't know where Mace are buried. So Tuma Satum Zalacha, the Moshe Misina, that you're not considered Tame with this lack of uh, clarity. And in our Mishnah, we gave, a, we gave a case that we're now going to analyze. And the Mishnah had said, Ketzad Yorad. We were talking about a case where a person went down into the mikvah, and then right after that guy left, he was in his Nazira stage. And then they found out that there was some tumor there that would have been Mitamehim, but they only found it out later. Is it two months at home? Is it not? That, that was the discussion. So our Gemara says, Tzafa, if it was floating, Eino Mitameh a person would not become Tameh as it relates to a Sheret, Ditznan, it should not say Ditanya, Ditznan as the Mishnah writes, Safek Tumat Tzafa, Bein Bekelem, Bein Bekarka Tahora, that if we have a case of Safek Tuma and the item was floating, so whether or not we're talking about Kalem that potentially had come in contact with this Tuma, or uh, Bekarka, had it been something else, doesn't matter, Tahora, we would treat the person as Tahor. And if you'll take a look at the Balea Tosfos here toward the bottom in Dibra Maskal, Tzafa Eno Metame Le'inyan Sheretz, Tosfos says, Sheyesh Mayim Bekli V'Sheretz Tzaf Al Pnei If you have water inside a Kli, and a Sheretz is floating in the water, Safek Naga Bekli, Safek Lo Naga, that is our case. In that case, Tahora, because it's floating and it's not on the ground. Now, Rab Shimon disagrees with the opinion of the Tanakhama, the very last line of Samachim Lamed Beis. Rab Shimon Omer, Bekelim Tmea, we make an odd distinction. Whereas the Tanakhama said that whether or not we're talking about Kalim or anything else or Bekarka doesn't matter, we always would assume Tahora. Over here, Rab Shimon's of the opinion that there's a difference. By Kalim, we would say Tame, and by Karka, we would say Tahora. So says the Gemara, let's analyze these two Shitas. And we're on the very top of Samach Dal and Amad Aleph. We're going to be learning this whole sugya until the very last word on the page. And then on the next Amud, we're going to be learning to the next Mishnah, which is a connected sugya, but slightly variant. My Anything because it says um, what the table it uses is not modern. No, I mean the Gemara is going to explain why each shita has says what they say now. So it's not not it doesn't seem to be because of that. Usually you would say Kalim Tamei. You're saying grammar? Yeah. No. No. When in regards to Kalim, there would be a suffix then Tamei. Then that Kli would have been Tamei. And in regards to Karka, would have been Torah. No, that you'll see in a moment that the grammar is not relevant here. So the Gemara says on the top, my time of the Tanakama. Why is it that the Tanakama said that Bain became the Karka Tahora? Amr of Yisrak Bar Avudimi, a little bit of a different uh, iteration of his name. Usually it's Avdimi, or maybe we've always been pronouncing it wrong because I don't know, just this, this is a strange uh, version here. See if the Pasuk says, where does the Tuma exist? Anywhere where there's a type of swarming that could happen in water. And also, it also says, so how do we figure out these two parts of the same Pasuk? 
The Gemara says, okay, Tzad, Vadai Mago, if you definitely touch it, Tame, everyone agrees. Suffolk Mago, if there's a Suffolk, if you touched it, Tahor. All of that is the Tanakama. That's how he came up with this distinction of that which is floating versus, versus that which is not. Vrib Shimon, my time, why does he hold that there's a difference between Kalim and everything else? Amar Ula, he says, based on the Pasuk, and also in the same Pasuk, it says, how do we understand this? Skipping the, the parentheses. If there's something floating in the floating in the Kalim had a suffix of touching it, Tame, and Bikarka Tahor on the ground, we would have said that there would that it would have been tar. So machlokas tanakama. Tanakama is the right word. Machlokas between uh, the Tanakama and Rib Shimon in regards to a, a case of suffix tuma that is floating. And we're going to be spending much of the rest of this Amud, actually, the whole rest of this Amud discussing this Tanarabon, and we have a Brisa. Kol Hanitlin anything that is that is dragged. So if you have something that's dragging on the ground, and we're not sure exactly what's going on with this item, but we know that it's resting on the ground and it's not floating, that is like it's munach. And in such a case, a suffix would be tummy. Because remember what we had learned that when things are floating, and this is what we saw, when things are floating in the water, that was our Mishnah. When things are floating in the water and there's a suffix, we're making. So here, if there's something being dragged by a car, whatever the case may be, by a chariot, and it's on the ground. So that's considered to be on the ground. However, says the Gemara Vahani's Ruck, and something that's in the air, and you're not sure if you touched it, Sveikon Tahor. There are exceptions to this. Chutz mina kezayis mina meis, when we're talking about a human being. Previously, we've been talking about a sheretz. And also, Vehamahil al tuma, or anything where there where you were ma'ahil on top of tuma, that's not what we're talking about. If you're ma'ahil on top of tuma, we don't care about your suffix. Anything that would be tame top to bottom. For example, when we talk about tumas moshav, where a nida or a zav or a zava or yoledis would sit down on the top mattress, all the mattresses right away earn the same exact level of tuma. That's what it means, milamala ulamata. And as well, the isuye zava zava, that in all of these cases, had there been a suffix, there would have been Tuma. So really, we're limiting our understanding to say that when we have a case of floating Tuma in water or in air, it doesn't matter. If there's a suffix in regards to my contact with that, or as a Kohen's contact with that, or a Nazir's contact with that, the suffix when it's floating will be Tahor. Every other iteration will be will be Tame. And now the Gemara asks, like literally eight questions in a row, what if this, what if that, Im Tim Salomar this, then that, about things, how do we define floating? So the most classic example of this, and we've seen this in Shas before, Boy Rami Barhama, what if Mace what if there's a piece of, uh, there's a human body that's in a barrel? It's not floating, it's in a barrel. But the barrel's floating. So do we look on the micro scale that the body is on the bottom of a barrel, nothing floating? Or do we look a little more macro and say, okay, but the barrel's floating on water? Mahu, do we say basar kliaslina? No, basar misaslina. Do we follow the kli and the kli is floating, or do we follow the mace and the mace is resting on the bottom of the barrel? And team salomar basar kliaslina. And according to some that lav basar kliaslina, some different gear sows here. And even if you want to say that we go after the kli itself, what about mace algabe sheretz? What if there's a piece of human body that's on top of a sheretz? Mahu, do we say kevan dahai tumas ere, dahai tumas shiva? that the Tumas Sheretz is only a Tumas Erev, and the Tumas Shiva, the Tumas Mace, is seven days. Do we say, that the Mace is resting on the Sheretz, it's no different than resting inside the barrel. Odilmor, perhaps, Tumas Mechtehi, that really the two of them are combined, and they're both considered to be floating, and we'd be more lenient. 
And halfway down, if you want to say that the, the mace on top of the sherets is like it's resting in a kli, well, what about another, and v'tame vadai, what about the next case of sherets al-gabe nevela? By sheretz al-gabe nevela, v'nevela tzafa mahu, and the, the nevela is floating, do we view those as one entity or two entities? Kevin de tarvayu tumas erabinun, because here we don't have the same problem as a mace and a sheretz where the mace has seven days of Tuma and the Sheretz has Tumas Erev. Here, they both have the same. They're both Tumas Erev Inun. Therefore, Tumas Smichtahi, they're all considered to be one entity, and therefore, it's like they're floating and will be Mekel if there's a suffix. Odilma Or maybe, because the Shiurim of Isser for each of these is different, therefore, one on top of the other is like it is not floating, but rather resting. And Sheretz Al-Gabay Sheretz Ma'u. Let's take the question even to the most singular of things. We know that they're both exactly the same. You have two of the eight shratzim that are matame. One is, is floating on top of the other one. Do we say, and hani, vade chachi, who these are all are for sure exactly the same. And maybe we should say it's like they're both floating. Odilmor perhaps came in the mifsukumehadadi lo, because the bottom sheritz is separating the top one from the water. Maybe we'd say the one on the top, it's as though it's resting on a solid platform, and therefore we're going to be more machmir. Um, so then the Gemara adds still more. And even if you want to say that Sheretz al-Gabe Sheretz cave in the Mifsikumahadadi that if you have one Sheretz on top of the other, because the bottom Sheretz is separating the water from the top Sheretz, it's as if the top Sheretz is resting in a Kli. What about Sheretz al-Gabe Nevela Sheni Mucha Mahu? What about a Sheretz on top of a Nevela, but the Nevela has started to liquefy, as we learned about. Remember, we learned about the Netzel, about the human body many, many blot ago. So here too, the Nevela is starting to decompose, and it's kind of like a jelly type of substance, kind of gross. So how do we view that jelly type of substance? Is the jelly similar to the water? Or is the jelly uh, is the jelly actually creating a barrier? Do we say, Do we say that since the nevela, which is in between the sherets and the water, is starting to become like a gel, like a liquid, therefore it's like the water, and therefore it's not mafsik? Oh, Odilma, or perhaps who really it is considered a solid. We don't mean food here in the edible form. We just mean that it's a solid. Nevela is trafe, so you can't eat We'll see in a minute uh, other examples of uh, things that are that are referred to as uchla, but really are not considered to be an amaycha. Even if you want to say that the nevela is considered a solid, what about zera, which is somewhat more viscous than water potentially, and there and the uh, item is floating on top of shechva zera? What about this minor viscous fluid? Is that considered a hefsek between the water and the item? Yes or no? And even if you want to say that once the zera is misakra, that it leaves the human body, it's considered like a solid. And enough to separate water from the item that's floating on top of it. Let's talk about something that's even less viscous, which is water with a little bit of ash in it. Ten questions. There's so many different iterations. What is considered to be floating and what is considered to not be floating? If something's in a cleave, but the cleave's in the water. If the sherets is, is the mace is on top of a sherets. If the sherets is on top of a nevel. If the sherets is on top of a sherets. If the sherets is on top of... Uh, uh, there's so many questions here. And the Gemara gives, I would say, a very odd response because I don't believe we've ever seen this in Shas before. Lo yad inan, we don't know, teku. Now that's colored commentary that we might add when we're talking about a teku. But this is very interesting because it actually qualifies the teku. Lo yad we don't, we don't know. It's not just that like, 
it's impossible for us. We don't know. Maybe some, and this implies almost that other people might know, which is usually what Akasha means. But okay, I don't think a lot of the Yukim can be made from here. This is a very, very unique phraseology. And that brings us to the top of Samach Dalid Amid Beis. All right, the Gemara says, Omar of Hamnuna. Another iteration of a case where things could have gone very, very wrong at a very uh, inopportune time. Nazir Pesach. <clears throat> Let's say that you have a Nazir and someone who wants to bring a Korban Pesach after he was Tameh. And on their seventh day of their Tara process, they walked over a place which was um, a Kever Hatahom, a very, very deep uh, an unknown type of kever. It's kever atahom. So what's the halacha? Halacha is tahorim. That even though you walked over the uh, the, the kever atahom and some guy uh, half an hour later does an archaeology project and he sees that there's a mace right where you walked, that's kever atahom. We say tahorim. And the Gemara says, my time. Huh? What is, what are, what's the reason for this? The lo alima tumas atahom lemistar. This is a lamdash phrase. The power, alima, is strength. There is no strength in Tumas home to be Soser. So that really doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because Masiv Rava, Rava says, what are you talking about? Our Mishnah that we learned yesterday said exactly the opposite. Remember the case, Yorad mi Tumas Ames, Tame, Shechezkas Tame Tame, Shechezkas Tahor Tar. Yesterday, we learned a scenario where we rely on the Chazaka itself to become Tame and uh, if if you're already tame, then it won't make you any better because you started out tame and the chazaka, the tumas atom doesn't make you any better. And remember what that case was talking about, which was right before the haircut. So the nazir did everything except for the haircut. What did we say in our mishnah? We said bein kach bein kach tame, that the tumas atom does cause a problem. So why is it that in our mishnah it seems that the tumas atom doesn't cause a problem for a nazir? who finished his 30 days, but did not finish his giluach. Yet over here, Rav Amnuna seems to say that on the Shvi Shalahan, they got to the right day. They didn't finish everything yet, as we'll soon see. Why then, over here, does it seem to be that the, the Tumas Atahom is not strong enough to generate Tuma? Omar Lay. So Rav Hamnuna responds to Rava, Modina lach benazer shemachusa tiglachas. I'm asking, I'm asking with you. The mission is right, of course. That when we're talking about a nazir who didn't get a haircut yet, I agree that it's stronger. But once you finished all of your obligations, so then the tumas atahom is not powerful enough to undo your completed obligations. So Amar le Rava, I agree with you. Rav Amnuna, you answered good. Af modina lach, I agree with you. And ve'ose pesach, lo machusar ve'lo klum, especially in regards to the cases that were mentioned above, that once you finished all of your obligations, once you've done with everything, you can't come back and say, Tumas home, you really were Tameh and the whole thing has to start again. So when do we say that Tumas home is, uh, is powerful enough to cause a problem? Only before you finish your Tara process. So if you're nine-tenths of the way there, you didn't do your 10th step, Tumas home, archaeology project, they say, Phil, nice try, you're a Nazir, but Tumas home. you're right, before the Giluach, before my haircut, I got to start over. However, where you do check off all of the boxes, I did complete my Naziris in its entirety. And then the archaeology project comes up, and then they say, Phil, you walked over to Masatom. I said, no, 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 it's too late. Tumasatom is not strong enough to affect me now because I've already done everything I need to do. Amar Abaye, a brilliant and simple question, but there is one thing left for you to do. Remember our case on, of Rav Hamnuna, where he says it's Bishvi Shalahan, it was on the seventh day. 
But what still has to happen yeah. after day seven? You need to wait for the sun to go down. Otherwise, you cannot eat kudshim. So says the Gemara, You are missing something. What was the whole argument that we just said? When do we say that Tumasat home is not powerful enough to mess you over? That's when you've completed your process. You already got your giluach. What about our case? You already went to the mikvah if you're in Ose Pesach, but you're not done yet in that the sun hasn't set. So you're only nine-tenths of the way there. So why does Rav Hamnuna say that, uh, that the kever hatahom, that the tumas hatahom isn't powerful enough? You're not done yet. It should have ruined you just like it should have ruined the Nazir who didn't get his hair cut yet. You didn't finish with everything because the sun still has to set. So Amar Lei, uh, Rava says back to Abaye, you're right that you didn't finish with the hair of Shemesh, but Shimsha Mimela Arva. This we've seen in Shas before. The sun sets on its own. That's not something that you have to do. By Nazir, where you had to get a haircut, that's something that you had to do. And if you don't do that haircut and they find out about Tumas home, you're messed over. I agree with you. But in our case, when we're talking about the Osa Pesach, he was Tameh, and on the seventh day, he, uh, he went to the mikvah. He did everything right. And all he has to do is wait for the sun to set. That's not called not finishing your set of obligations. You're still considered done. I, the sun didn't set. You have no control over that. It's out of your grasp of, of, uh, of affecting. You can't control the sun. The sun will go down when the sun will go down. Shalom Yisrael. There's nothing you can do about that. Such a good argument, says Abai, that he actually, he actually turned around and agreed to Rava. Even Abaye went back and said, oh, what a great svara by Rava, that really hair of Shemesh is not considered a chisaron in the conclusion of a process. Where do we see this? With a very, very difficult, multi-layered case of giving birth. Let's discuss the Tanya. The Brisa writes a little bit uh, shy of the halfway mark on Samach Dalaram If a woman has a baby on day zero, she has a girl. So she has some 80 days of tumma. And um, she ends up getting pregnant again during that time, and she miscarries. This is not a simple case because the baby has to be 40 days for the miscarriage to be. So we're assuming some magical scenario where she ends up going to the mikvah in the first week after having a baby, which is basically a physical impossibility as it relates to certainly to women today. You have to get a badika. You got to have Shevin Akim. Let's assume that it worked. Okay, so on day seven after delivering a child, she goes to the mikvah. And she gets pregnant right away. On day 50, she miscarries. So says the Gemara, if she has the miscarriage after Yomelos, after she finishes all of her 80 days, so then says the Gemara, Tavi, she has to bring another set of korbanos, one for the healthy baby. Korbanos are brought on day 81. If she miscarries on day 82, then she's obligated to bring a second set of korbanos. But Tochmelos, if she miscarries this baby, during the 80 days, she has yet to bring the korban for baby number one. So then, lo tavi, she doesn't have to bring a separate set of korbanos for the nafel, for the miscarried child, because the korban that she's going to bring for the healthy child will also cover the bases for the child that was Rahman al-Islam, that was miscarried. What if there were two miscarriages and the second miscarriage happened before the Yom Melos of the first miscarriage. Very complicated case. So here's what's going on. She had a healthy baby, day zero, 80 days of Tuma for a woman. She has to bring Korbanos on day 81. She gets pregnant and she uh, has a nafel. She gets pregnant again. And then the second baby was a nafel 
before the 80 days of the Yom Melos, of the first miscarriage. So let's talk about the case. And we take out the words, maybe that second that second miscarriage is bichlal, the first miscarriage. That if the second miscarriage is done, uh, if the second miscarriage takes place before the korban of the first miscarriage takes place, so then we don't bring another set of korbanos. Amar of Kahana, why is this case the way that it is? Shiny hacha de korban. Over here, the reason why we don't require the second miscarriage to have a separate set of korbanos is because the first miscarriage's korban was never brought yet. And therefore, it's mechas for korban. Asks the Gemara, Hasam nami mechasra erev shemesh. Ah, beautiful. Why don't we say that we need Herav Shemesh in this case and we should actually define the moment of Melos based on when the sun sets and not based on, let's say, Mixasayom Kikulo on the morning of that day? Amar Abaye, what is Abaye saying right now? He's saying Rava's answer. And it's the proof that, that Abaye changed his mind. Abaye was the one who asked this question in another context. Over here, he's the one responding to the person who asks this question and he says, Amar Abaye, Shim Shamimela Arva. You can't ask from that case because when something is happening automatically, you can't hold it against the person. You can't even say that Tumasat home will interfere. And that is the Sikum Advarim of this, of this page. And really just going back to the top line of Rav Hamnuna and with this we'll close. Rav Hamnuna had said that in regards to a Nazir and Osa Pesach, even if they find out on the seventh day of their Tara process, they've gone to the mikvah already but there was no hair of Shemesh. If you find out in that narrow window on day seven of after mikvah, before the sun sets, that you were over, uh, you stood over Tumas HaTahom, we don't care. Why? Because hair of Shemesh is not an action that you do. It's automatic. And therefore, your activities are considered complete and the Tumas HaTahom will not impact you. We'll pick up again tomorrow with a mission on the bottom of Samach Dalad Amid Beis. Wishing you all a beautiful night. What the man after